Hello and welcome to Impressions of America. I'm Simon, and with me as always are Toby and Vaughn. Hi guys. Hi Simon. Hey Simon. Today we will be looking at The West Wing, Aaron Sorkin's seminal political TV drama that starred Michael Sheen as President Bartlett. And to help us, I'm delighted to say we have a very special guest. Dave Anthony is a comedian, actor, screenwriter and podcaster. Dave is the co-host of the Dollop podcast, and perhaps most importantly for today's episode, he is also the co-host of The West Wing Thing, a podcast about The West Wing. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Dave, first question to you. Can you introduce The West Wing Thing to us? And can you explain uh, why you decided to do a podcast about The West Wing? Uh, Sure. So The West Wing Thing podcast is uh, each, each week we watch and then talk about an episode of the west wing and we uh, basically break down the liberal politics of it and Mm -hmm. um how that and the reason we started doing it was because so many people particularly in the obama white house but so many democrats see the west wing television show as sort of a guide to governing. And they, they've said this, um, a lot of people in the Obama White House who wrote books have said this in their books. Uh, and you can see it when you just watch the Democrats try to govern or try to deal with sort of any issue of how this mindset sort of leaks through and guides them. And there is sort of a question of like, which came first, the the mindset or, or the TV show, obviously, I, I think the mindset did, but the TV show really changed, changed it in a way that is uh, pretty awful for, and and has led us to where we are. So we try to, we try to break it down and and explain to people like, this is what this show is telling people. And, and this is why it's bad basically. (laughs) Okay. Um, Vaughn, before this last week or so, you'd never actually seen an episode of The West Wing. So you were coming in <laughs> kind of um, brand new, I guess. Can you, Vaughn, can you maybe tell us about your expectations about the show and then your experience having watched, well, quite a lot of episodes over the last week? Yes. Um, yeah, I've watched a, a very many. I've, I've watched about 60 episodes since Monday. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. It's been, it's been a long than- week. That's worse yeah. than COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and and she, is a, she is a PhD student, so she has actually got things to be doing as well. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, so expectations. Um, I wasn't necessarily avoiding it for any particular reason, but I definitely didn't have any interest in watching it. Um, I thought it would be just kind of dry politics, not really an enjoyable, entertaining show. Um, And I disagree with that now, having seen a lot of it, um, (laughs) more than a third of it in four days. But no, I'm really enjoying it. I find it very entertaining. I find it very funny in parts. Um, I think it's brilliant escapism because it doesn't... They, they don't really leave room for anyone to genuinely be mad at the president. And that is a very escapist kind of reality because I've been very angry at my presidents for a long time. So on that front, as entertainment, as fiction, I think it's a really brilliant show. 
But with that said, I do think that there are some political things and some opinions within the show that I would disagree with. And Dave, I really agree with you that it's important to talk about what um, what are the messages in these shows that are kind of passive and not necessarily the the most important forefronts of whatever the plot is happening in the episodes. It's important for us to identify those things and tell people what they're actually consuming so that you think about it more deeply. And I'm sure we'll we'll get into all this stuff a, a, a lot deeper level kind of a little bit later on. Uh, mm-hmm. Toby, uh, I was just going to say to begin with as well as talking about the, the overall show we are focusing in at least to begin with uh, on a specific episode and then we'll, we'll branch out a bit further and that is season one episode 12 um can you maybe just introduce the episode and uh, let the audience know maybe why you you, you pick that one to to focus on well about bill clinton um martin sheen has said um sort of several times that the the character of um, Bartlett was based in part on uh, Bill Clinton, um, you know, like his uh, ac- you know academic background and the his way of being with people, I, I suppose, are, are things that he considers to be influenced by Clinton. And and in this episode, he shall from time to time Bartlett wrestles with the idea that he's run a democratic campaign uh, before he became president that's you know been quite conservative um toby and josh um sort of confirmed that in the episode and then in the beginning of the episode he's going through a new state of the union speech mm-hmm. and in within the state of the union speech he's talking about all of the sort of um the liberal achievements that he wants to enact or uh, already on the way and he also says that you know like the the era of big government is over and the sort of titular liberal on the team toby ziegler is very conflicted about that he doesn't think it's right to do um bartlett says he's not going to say it but he just wants to say it out seek how it sounds and then he uh, finds himself unconscious in the beginning um sort of other members of the staff are dealing with uh alcoholism and drug allegations and um toby ziegler wrestles with uh, members of the uh, the democratic party's heel staff about whether he should put this uh, the the age of big government is over line into the speech eventually at, at the end of the episode uh they decide if there's a you know as as is um natural with the west wing there's a conversation between toby and um other members of the white house staff with the president and they eventually come to the conclusion that you know we are we are in government now and because we, care about liberal ideals in the democratic party we're not going to say that the era of big government is over because that's not really what we believe and um, i think it's really interesting because the west wing is kind of a pragmatic liberal you know loving and yet they um sort of wrestling with the 
the legacy of the Bill Clinton administration, which did drift away from, you know, Lyndon Johnson and um, JFK and FDR and sort of the liberal presidents of the past, especially before 1968, towards the centrist line, especially. And um, after the 1994 uh, Republican Revolution, Bill Clinton did move to the right and did say that the era of big government is over and did, you know, uh, enact welfare reform, uh, crime crime reform, uh, did push a balanced budget amendment and things like that. So it's interesting, given that a number of um, West Wing writers and uh, actors have said that they've been influenced by Clinton or, or it was a critique of Clinton and that in this episode, they wrestle with the Clinton legacy and um, and actually situate themselves to the left of, of Bill Clinton in, in this episode, so, which is why I, I decided to bring up this episode. The era of big government is over. You want to cut the line? I want to change the sentiment. We're running away from ourselves. And I know we can score points that way. I was a principal architect of that campaign strategy right along with you, Judge. But we're here now. Tomorrow night we do an immense thing. We have to say what we feel. That government, no matter what its failures in the past and in times to come, for that matter, government can be a place where people come together and where no one gets left behind. No one gets left behind. Dave, we we just mentioned there, and we talked about when we did uh, shows around around Clinton previously on here. This idea of Clinton going to to the right in order to you know maintain um, sort of popularity among Middle America or whatever it was deemed at the time. That is one of the key, I suppose, themes throughout the whole show is this idea of the liberals running away from whatever beliefs they may have in order to sort of have some sort of progress in amongst middle America or amongst the people who would be scared away by the term liberal. Um, what, What do you think about the show overall's kind of take on liberal liberals in government needing to move further right in order to be... Um, sort of victorious when it when it comes to winning over the population or, or being able to achieve victory in elections it's quite a quite a big theme of the show when you say it, it is a big theme in the show and i think i think that's completely true i think that's exactly what um the democrats did they're spot on there but they've they've sort of taken history and and distorted what happened the night that when the republicans took over congress it wasn't because more people voted for Republicans. It's because less Democrats voted than they had in the previous election. And the reason less Democrats voted is because it still is maybe the greatest betrayal uh, in the past 50 years. And that was the passing of NAFTA, which I'm sure you guys covered. And, and, and that drove Democratic voters away. Now, some of them went to the Republicans, but a lot of them just stopped voting. Uh, at that time. And I, I believe it's that I was pretty similar to the exact same numbers from the 92 election or 94 uh, before the Republican takeover. So the, 
it's more that the the liberals viewpoint is that they have to move right to get those people and they don't ever look at like well maybe if we attacked left here and and not supported nafta then then the working class people would vote for us so there's never there's never that um i guess there's never that argument over how did we get here and are we taking the right track it's just should we move further right or maybe not as further right it's never should we move left hmm. like should we really go left here because that might attract more people that discussion never happens on this show it's just how far right should we go so one of the things um i was listening to the episode that you guys did on the west Wing thing about this particular episode and one of the things that you guys brought up was if you asked um you know a, a bunch of maybe Americans during that time or even today, you know, is big government interference, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And, you know, lots of people might say it's, you know, it's a bad thing for big government to be involved. But if you actually ask them on a policy level, do you want, you know, Medicaid for all? Do you want, you know, uh, better paying jobs or, you know, whatever the case may be, that you would actually get a response from an individual policy level that, oh yeah, we would actually want that and that would actually benefit us. Um, I guess that probably plays into your point with the idea of, we need uh this is a common theme we need the left to actually be representing ideas of the left rather than what's the sort of regurgitated version that people on the center right can deal with rather than you know <laughs> rather than yeah. any, anything meaningful to our supporters you know what 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 can the center right stomach rather than what ideas do we want to get across that are true to the left yeah they, they're just there's almost it's like this assumption amongst uh, the democratic centrists and and really the democratic party who controls it is is just that like their ideas are always like let's shoot for the center right but all polling since i was a kid all polling has wanted things like medicare for all they, the polling is always always for big government when you break it down issue by issue but if you say do you like big government they go no but in policy wise they always want it so it's just always been the disconnect and, and our media and our, our, our democratic party always, always just sort of float that idea. Let's go for the center, right people. And obviously it's not working very well. <laughs> well, you, you say that, but we've got, uh, we've got the greatest president we could possibly imagine right now. FDR 2.0. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes, we really do. It's really amazing. Yeah, uh, guy, Vaughn, Toby, you guys got any thoughts on this idea presented in the show, and maybe about how Democrats in in general outside of the show present this idea of wanting to move right in order to um, win elections? Uh, Vaughn, you got any particular ideas on maybe how that's represented represented in the show that you've seen so far? Mm. It's it's definitely a major theme. Um, there is. In, in this episode, I think with Toby saying we shouldn't say the era of big government is over, um, there's at least an acknowledgement that they should stop moving right and maybe like stay fairly central. Um, or like, I guess they would call it liberal, but American liberal. So like the rest <laughs> of the world 
set her right. Yeah, um, American late nineties liberal. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tory. Um, <laughs> yeah, they. I there's at least an acknowledgement that they shouldn't necessarily just be handing themselves over to the right in this episode. And um, if I'm not mistaken, a couple episodes later, but I have watched a lot, so it could be any number of episodes later. They have um, a discussion about getting back to what is actually kind of important to them and the the whole let Bartlett be Bartlett phase of the, of the show um, that I think is at least trying to rescue that perception that they are lazily allowing themselves to drift right more and more with with either either small or fairly large as in a state of the union address um, acknowledgements that they're not necessarily going any way towards the left um and yeah that's a big fucking problem right (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it gets us where we are now we we went through it with clinton we went through it to a fair effect with obama and now we have joe we've joe biden as the president that's a good that's a good place for a swear you (laughs) yeah joe fucking biden we have joe fucking biden as president and he's not he's not fdr 2.0 and even in this episode they acknowledged they were like oh shit we can't say the era of big government is over because we are directly nodding to fdr and the wpa and the new deal we can't say that the era of big government's over because we're giving a 50% boost to the NEA. And that's the only thing that stops them from saying the era of big government is over because they gave money to the NEA. It's not necessarily an ideological change. It's just that, oh, we're gonna completely screw ourselves if we don't acknowledge the fact that we are giving money to government programs that people when polled don't like. It, <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about this. Yeah. Well, I think you're, I think you're right about the NEA thing because <clears throat> that's a great example of the West Wing. Like, if I was going to write a West Wing episode and I wanted to show a shift leftwards or that I believed in government programs, <clears throat> it wouldn't be the NEA because the NEA is the that's the Republicans' battleground. Now you're fighting on mm-hmm. their field. But if you want to do something, why not introduce a Medicare for all or something of that nature on the show? And and then on the show, you could fight that battle, but they never fight that battle. They always fight the battles that are framed by right wing thinking. Right. Yeah, they do have an episode. Um, I, can't, I can't remember which one it is where they have a a female I think Christian character come in and she gets very upset that um there had been some arts funding for various things and it was like this woman covers herself in cookies and shouts in German and she got a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was and I, th- I think it's Josh is like well you know or it might have been Toby going it's you wouldn't want me defining what art is which is a, a fair point mm-hmm. but I, I do also get Dave's point that maybe that is still a, a Republican sort of talking point of the show and the idea of should we be funding art programs rather than should we be extending medical coverage, I, I guess is... We should be doing both. Yeah. Well, let's not go crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but the NEA attacks were all Republican attacks. That That is a, yeah. automatically a defensive position for the Democrats as opposed to pushing their own agenda mm-hmm. it's always they're on their back foot 
and well, and the right wing is. But again, I, you you brought up a good point earlier, bringing up the the liberal definition. We're so far to the right, we don't even know what the left and liberals are. You know, <laughs> it it is funny because I'm I'm speaking to you from Scotland, and you know we are. I made the joke the other day that probably the greatest vice in Scotland is socialism because like we have, we have you know free free healthcare for, you know for the most part yeah our prescriptions are free higher education is free you know what what I gleam as being sort of left wing is very different from what you know a left wing person in a show like West Wing would would see as is being left leaning, um, so I I guess that probably the greatest frustration I have. I mean, we, we all collectively, I think I can speak for us all. If there's one thing we hate more than Republicans, it's probably Democrats, I'd say. It, because <laughs> at, at least at least Republicans, you know where yeah. you stand with them, whereas Democrats, <clears throat> right. you know, you, you, they are, they're on our side, as it were. And, um, you know, the, 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 the idea that a, a Democrat will sort of believe in some of the things you stand for until it gets to election time, in which case, they appear to mm. run the other way. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, that that is, yeah. I I, I suppose the it, it's a, a theme throughout the show, and I'm glad that it does get brought up, even if we don't always agree with how it's done. Is this idea of of the Democrats moving right? And in fact, one of the, the the things they have in I think it's end of season three, where they have the the debate between for for the reelection of Martin Sheen's character uh, Bartlett against the Florida governor. Um, which just pause for a second to think a Florida governor should ever be president. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things they they talk about, or two of the things they talk about, one is there's this anti-intellectual movement that um, is within the show and that Bartlett has to sort of play down the fact that he knows how to speak Latin or he knows how to do economies or he knows how to, you know, string sentences together with 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 you know actual meaning to them and also the other thing is that he needs to run away from this liberalism and i think that's one of the things they actually have in in the speech which gets an applause if i'm not mistaken is this idea of you know you uh, you know you are basically saying that these liberal ideas are, are bad and that you know being a liberal is bad but you know i i don't think it is you know the people who achieve things quite often are liberals and you know um that is often true if you look through history compared to uh, some of the Republicans who get into power and do things. Um, that's just me ranting about my, my hatred of the Democrats. Apologies. That just, that happens every episode. Um, mm. Toby, um, I don't know. Have you been watching through the various episodes leaning up to this, or are you kind of remembering um, just kind of from past experience as to the show? And no, I'm, I'm really remembering from, like being a kid and watching the West Wing, I have to say that I, I watched it um, when I was in high school and and have watched it since. And, I, I, and to be honest, the first time I watched it, it was kind of an elegiac experience. I, I found the music very rousing. I, I like the the smartness of it and things mm-hmm. like that. And because I, yeah, I mean, I was just a, I didn't really have any formed politics. It just it seemed nice. The, I mean, I feel the, the show always has this this like quality of almost like they, they say it's like realistic, like there's there's, there's realism, you know, it's, it's, it's the the scenes is very, very you know um, similar to how it actually is, but there's there's also like this almost like dreamy quality to it. It is it it feels like a, a dream, like an imposed dream, and the, and the color scheme kind of 
feels that way as well. And yeah, so I'm just I'm just sort of going back to to, to my experience of it really before I, I got I developed form politics about it. But one of the things that I did um, think about then and I think about now is the credentialism of the show. And I and that 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 goes back to Bill Clinton as well, because Bill Clinton was you know the, the 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 book that came out about him during the election was first in his class, right? You know, he's the guy who first in his class in high school went to Yale, went to Oxford, was the Rhodes Scholar, and Bartlett is very very similar. You know, he got he got into Harvard and Yale, but um, you know went to Notre Dame and then uh, did a PhD in, in economics, and it's that credentialism that is thrust into the front. And that kind of credentialism is very different from say, a Ronald Reagan, who, you know, was a, was an actor or a, um, a or George a Bush, yeah. you know, even though Bush sort of kind of has a similar background, but he never expressed that, you know, the, the, the Republicans don't really try to put forward the fact that they're book smart or, you know, like, and, I think that credentialism adds to the sense in the West Wing that things can be sorted out if smart people around, you know, smart people with good speeches. Um, uh, one of the things in this episode is towards the end of the episode, uh, someone gives him a copy of the, I think it's the, the, was it the Constitution in Latin. Yes. Which is, and then he reads it and it's like, um, something like uh, in the state of the union, we could recommend to the, to the consideration such measures that he judges necessary and expedient, which um, goes to reiterate the, so the sort of the, the, the main thrust of the episode, which is that liberals should push forward the, the, the policies that they, that they care about, even if they don't poll well, or even if it's not, popular or something like that which isn't really what they do on the west wing at all but i think it goes back to that that sense of credentialism you know like he's he's a smart guy he reads latin he's an economics phd you know he's got the the best and the brightest um among him and um because because they have that then because they have smart people they're going to have the right policies which is which is something that um, the West Wing is is known for actually, you know, working in um, po- politics and lobbying for for the time that I have, you know, like a lot of people around in the industry are West Wingites, you know, like they have either attended, you know, some of these uh, elite universities or or consider them to be sm- themselves to be smart people. And they love the idea of the smartness of the West Wing, the seriousness of the West Wing, above the the, the actual policies that um, that are in the West Wing, or or they necessarily, necessarily care about the policies that are in the West Wing. I mean, even outside of this episode, you know, um, Bartlett is kind of like Bill Clinton because he's he's unhappy that during his presidency he not he did not manage to secure a balanced budget uh, amendment or or make a balanced budget which is like you know like what bill clinton was doing with john Kasich and moving to the right um in another episodes 
they pushed through a grand bargain on social security, which is something that Bill Clinton would have tried to do if the Monica Lewinsky scandal didn't happen and something that Obama and Biden tried to do um, again with McConnell, which again is moving to the right. So yeah, it's, it's this idea of not just um, moving to the right, but also because you're smart, you can have the right policy brief or, or, or make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, like whether it's like Carrie Truman or Lyndon Johnson, you know, I mean, Lyndon Johnson wasn't a very, very credentialed person at all. He certainly had some like good patrons along the way, but he wasn't particularly credentialed. And he got, he passed the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, Medicare, Medicaid, you know, so, so I don't really necessarily think it's about that, but the West Wing has come to crystallize the idea that, that, that smartness is, is probably the most important thing in politics. Yeah, that's really taken over the Democratic Party. And, and that goes back to the 72 election. Um, that's when they decided to drive out the uh, sort of working class guys that had risen up. There were senators and, and um, House members who had come from more working class union backgrounds. And they they made it. It was a conscious split in the party and a conscious decision to to start getting rid of those people. And that's sort of it's almost a fetishization of uh, a degree from a a high college that it's almost like the the democratic version of a philosopher king is what they're is what they're striving for like these all important smart people and but then you just miss life experiences and you miss you know you don't you don't have the input of people who have lived life you just have a background of people who have they largely come from a certain class obviously they're going to harvard and yale See, you're not representing people anymore. And, and it's what they achieve and what they believe is the best thing, the smartest people in the room. And the smartest people in the room are just often dicks and they just <laughs> don't care about people. And at the end of the day, they're the people that go, you know what, we have to, we have to drop a, a, a bomb on a wedding every once in a while. And like they just, they just excuse really bad shit that they do because they just seem somehow detached from how people are really living their lives. And it's all just caught up in that. There is philosophy. Sorry, Dave, to interrupt. There's an episode and there's a line, sorry, in in this episode where they're talking, and I suppose it's kind of just smart RC kind of back and forth, kind of classic Sorkin dialogue, but um, they're kind of arguing over um, early on in the episode about including the big government is, is overline and what someone says, you know, do do poor people not not count in this, or do do poor people not watch this address? And Josh's character does actually say like these poor people won't be like watching this address. That's kind of the whole point. It's 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 the I suppose the sort of more tuned in um, to politics, quote unquote, po- people who will be watching this address. So that this is who we're appearing you know appealing to i i so that that line did struck me when i rewatched the episode was that um yeah these types of poor people won't be watching the address so it's kind of okay if we say we're going to screw them um <laughs> so <laughs> um which you know as a 
as a uh, uh, kind of hardline Republican myself, I'm very in favor of. Um, <laughs> yeah, he seems to be like completely outside of contemporary culture. Like he's never watched any of like he's not, he, do, he doesn't watch The View or you know like Jerry Springer or, or something like that. Like he's just he's above it all in this like ethereal realm outside of you know the, um, what normal people think about what normal people care about it doesn't matter they're not engaged in politics so 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 they don't really matter it's it's yeah it's a it's quite interesting and it's it's it's, i guess it's different from clinton maybe it's um you know sort of uh sharpening the edges of bartlett i guess because bill clinton actually was from hope arkansas and it was a kind of a good old boy um in some ways but but Bartlett doesn't even have any of that sort of earthy organic qualities he's, he's more like a like a almost like an aristocrat or some, something like that you know it's like mm-hmm. um he's just outside of it all in in a, in a really weird way which is probably how liberals want to see themselves and you know maybe they didn't like you know the Bill Clinton had the background that he did you know they do see themselves that way. I mean, you know, I, I've I was raised amongst them and and I've worked amongst them for years in Hollywood and they they just think they're better than everyone else. I mean, it's a it's a it's a stereotype and it's something the right wing uses against them. And it's effective because it's true. Like if you sit in a room full of liberals, it's just astounding the way they talk about the rest of America. Like it's it's incredible. And and that that is really represented on this show. Yeah, that, that's I, yeah. On you go, Bob. Jump in here. Um, problematize this a bit. I hot take. I don't know if it's an issue of being educated or an issue of being a liberal, because a lot of Democrats who have many qualifications, and especially the ones on the show, are assholes, and kind of frame it that way that they are better than other people because they have degrees, but not to defend myself or my friends, but I know a lot of academics who don't think that way, mm-hmm. um, that they are better than somebody else because they have a degree. They just chose a different path in life. And I think it comes down to liberals and gatekeeping knowledge, which is a massive problem in academia, absolutely. Um, but I think it comes down to kind of your politics around class structure and that a certain class of people and a certain type of people should be the ones who are educated. There are a lot of people on this this show who are quite educated that they brush off in favor of liberal politics and don't really acknowledge the degrees that they have or the qualifications or education that they have. So yeah. I, like I, I don't think that it's necessarily a condemnation of being qualified for the position that these people are in. I mean, there are lots of different qualifications and backgrounds that lead to the presidency. That's a whole other thing on variations of the American dream. But I I don't think that it should be necessarily, and I don't think it is for me, a condemnation of education and qualifications and degrees more so than just liberals being dicks. <laughs> no, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I I feel like that is sort of endemic to liberal politics. You know, like you, you just have to go 
all the way back to like the late 19th century and when the sort of professional managerial people would took over uh, liberal politics and um, to some extent the Demo- Democratic Party and, and it's always been like that you know but I, I guess it's, it depends on the choices they make are, are they experts who are working for the people or do they see themselves as better than everybody else and then they should they only work for the you know the policies and for the betterment of other members of the professional managerial class which I guess the 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 Bill Clinton administration did become but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be that way you know experts can be very helpful in running running a government if they are running a government for for everyone but I I guess maybe that's not something we see on a show like the the, the West Wing it is it is interesting because one of the things they have in, in the West Wing is they do bring up this idea of you know there are Republicans who do appear on the show and they, they do seem to hate or severely dislike people liberals and people working in the Bartlett administration because they are smug and because they they represent a certain thing and they look down on people and you know that is definitely true but I, I think it's you look at the Republicans of today and actually they're quite often as probably more outspoken about their contempt actually for ordinary people uh, if you look at something like um, AOC and her background you know working as a bartender mm-hmm. how often does that get thrown at her by people on the right yeah. and go oh yeah. why are we listening to this female bartender tell us what to do with our money or tell us how to run a government and it, it's a what wait you Mark Rubio every other week is telling us that the Republicans are the party of the working class and yet as soon as yeah. someone works themselves up into a position of, of, of you know of being able to make some change suddenly we hold that against them because they were a bartender uh, sorry we just gone 10 min- minutes without dunking on republicans so i felt we had to, <laughs> no, I appreciate to balance it. back onto the show <laughs> I, well i think it really plays into the show there's a, i was gonna say i watched an episode today i watched a lot of episodes today <laughs> um but there there's an episode with uh ainsley the the republican council that they bring in in i think the second season um where she's talking to sam and kind of trash talking intellectuals and she's like they're they're not here for the people and the people who went to harvard they're just in their like ivory clubs and everything and sam reminds her you went to harvard too like mm-hmm. what are you talking about here and i think it's a very real thing that republicans do try to paint intellectuals in a poor light but liberals do it fine on their own and <laughs> yes. a major problem when we come to situations like in the last year when people don't trust intellectuals and they say smart people yeah. are just looking down on us and they're not trying to explain things to us and they don't know what they're talking about. And yeah. it's, I've seen it so many times in the last year where people say, if they're so smart, why didn't they get it right the first time? That's not how science works. We didn't understand <laughs> the fucking pandemic in March last year that we needed to do research and things change when that happens. And this, I think it is a, I, th- I think that is a direct result from the political choices that have been made in the last 40, 50 years in how we frame intellectuals and how intellectuals present themselves when they're representing other people. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. That was actually something I was going to ask you about, Vaughn, because obviously mm-hmm. you are, you know, in, in the world of academics and, you know, you are 
<laughs> actually you do, you do speak latin to some degree you are uh you are fond of new england because you you come from that area oh boy you, it's, it's uh, really quite a list we're getting here yeah the, <laughs> vaughn also has chronic illnesses so basically what I'm trying to say <laughs> president bartlett was kind of like the the original vaughn in a way uh honestly yeah it, we, we we've joked about it through messages throughout the week but um it president bartlett to some you know some degree or another is kind of held up as this perfect american president even though you know you see it throughout the show he's definitely not a perfect american president but uh, vaughn is someone who's kind of brand new to the show and taking 60 episodes in in a week or whatever you did can, can you maybe just tell us a little bit about your experience with president bartlett and you know to some degree it's a little bit jokey about some of the representation on screen for yourself but in other parts you know there is an element of of, of seeing some of that sort of ring true for yourself Right. Um, yeah, I have a lot of ideas about this. I've, I've thought a lot about this. Um, mm, how do I want to answer this? Okay, there are two kind of directions I want to go in here. Um, one is that this escapism is pure escapism and I am like shooting it in my veins right now. It is so good in the moment to just <laughs> like adore this president and I, I do in, in a very fictionalized world as this is and without real implications of any of, of the things that they do and say on the show, um, if I can separate that out from the real world, that's a big caveat, but I do, I adore him. I think he's fantastic. He is an, it, like the image of an American president, president that you kind of get when you're a child being raised in the US. He is like who you think of. And maybe I guess, well, okay, now that I say it, I was in school when West Wing was on the air. So maybe that's why I have that image of him as the president. But um, he's, no, I'll stand by that because I've studied American history. I, I stand by that, that he is a very archetypal version of what most Americans would say the president should be. Um, so that's kind of one hand, like I said, escape is a fantastic, loving it. He's an adorable man I love his little jokes he's just I want Martin Sheen to adopt me like it, I think he's great on the other side um Toby said something earlier that the show feels like a dream um and I wrote that down because I want to come back to that so it does and it's brilliantly done because in tv theory when when we're breaking down TV shows and to an extent films, but specifically when we're looking at TV, in sitcoms, there's a necessity to have a kind of, have whatever plot you wanna have. And then by the end of the episode, bring it back to the status quo. And it's a trope that's that's used in almost every sitcom that things can get as crazy as you want, but invariably they come back at the end that everything's tied up so the next week they don't have to comment on what they did last week um for non uh like linear shows like the simpsons or something but then in dramas and soap operas like this is it's a primetime soap um you need to keep the plot going along so your plot comes back up every week and it should be something that is a continuation every episode and to an extent that is on the West Wing, but they may, they bring in this status quo for the president alone 
that you never finish an episode being upset with the president. Even if he yells at someone during the episode, he says something disagreeable, he, he isn't necessarily the best president or father or whatever. By the end of the episode, he fixes it. And I think that's an incredible, incredible thing that they managed to do for this type of show um, to never leave the audience upset with the, with the president. And I think that's a very important thing to remember when you're watching it, that it does feel dreamlike because you're never mad at the president for more than 10 minutes. That's really interesting. I never uh, even thought about that, but that is so true. I think the thing that is sort of with the dreamlike state and, and what you said, uh, your first point about Bartlett is this is America. This is the liberals version of American exceptionalism which is also, as we've seen, pretty dangerous because, because this is their ideal version of a president. And, and they do compare their, they, in the real world, they compare their presidents against Bartlett now. And, and no president has ever been anything remotely close to this. <laughs> like it's clearly mm -hmm. fiction. And yet they want their presidents to be this. And there's no, that, that's never going to happen. I mean, that would be a miracle if we ever actually got a president that was this intelligent and, and actually the correct, you know, sort of the correct way we would like a, a religious person to be, um, you know, and, and, and I think it's a very dangerous thing to mm -hmm. present because when you try to, when you try to, talk to liberals about the the problems that are infecting america a, a lot of what they go back to is tone i mean i've, I've talked to so many personally uh, that i know and and they go back to tone and and you know trump was this and they just want a guy who behaves a certain way and so as much as he is the sort of ideal president which i agree with there's something about him that's you know it's comforting and you're like oh i I wish we could have a president like this, but, but then you see how distorted our, our historical knowledge is like, they have no idea about what Lyndon Johnson was actually like, or, or Kennedy or even Clinton. Like they just sort of wash all that away. And, and this is their version of a Democrat. Well, there, I, there's never been a Democrat like this. You could say Obama was the closest, but my opinion mm -hmm. of Obama is that he's was a horrendous president. <laughs> But they love him because he was well-spoken and gave, gave, gave great speeches and he appeared to be an awesome family man and all this stuff. But I don't know. To me, it just seems really dangerous that uh, in hindsight, I don't think uh, at the time it felt dangerous, but now it seems to me dangerous to have, have put this out there as an ideal. It's interesting what you say about Obama. And I think this is something we've sort of tangentially sort of covered on the show before, but what's, aged best about obama is not the politics or his achievements it's the sort of this idea of him as a person this idea mm. of him not <laughs> like being completely in it for his own profit or not being like a deranged rapist from like fifth, the last 50 <laughs> years or you know all the things <laughs> that you could have that have been claimed against like someone like trump where you look at what Trump is and what he stands for and how it is just like so, so the apex of terribleness and then you have Obama who is who is so seen as morally good even if his achievements and what he, he maybe 
the promise of what he was going to set out to change America never, you know, came to pass. And, you know, he was actually by you know, European standards, he was, you know, centre-right candidate or, you know, whatever the case may be. I, I think the this idea of what Obama is as a, as a person, you know, he, you know, him and him and his wife have great approval rating kind of, you know, Spotify shows and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it, it's, it's interesting that we're, we're talking about as much about Bartlett as, you know, someone who is not necessarily achieving these great things. He's not necessarily redefining America in the terms of, you know, there is now this great safety net where people will no longer, you know, dip below, but we are talking about Bartlett in the sense that, you know, we get to see his inner workings and we get to see him, him being thoughtful and him being kind. And, you know, th- there's episodes that Vaughn and I have messaged each other about where, you know, he he's considerate to like the aides around him and gives them this, this, uh, what was it? Was it Vaughn? Like the, the knife, knife, the knife that Paul was knife. Paul Revere's knife. I oh, mean, can, yeah. can you imagine Trump giving someone jo- uh, the, the knife from like a historical <laughs> figure other than to stab them with it i mean it's just it, it, it's, it's, it's impossible so yeah and then of course that actually ties in in a way kind of nicely because obviously uh Vaughn, you've not got this obviously in, in your watch of the show but we kind of briefly mentioned it in our, our chats that when you get towards the end you have this this santos candidate who who was actually based on a, a young senator obama and you know obviously that came to pass that Obama became president. And um, from what I understand, although I, I could be, this is a long time since I've looked into it, I, I think the reason they went with a Santos character, i.e. sort of Mexican-American character, um, was because they thought that was a bit more believable as someone, you know, of mm-hmm. colour who could who could win. And if anyone was going to do it, it was going to be that demographic, you know, someone who, if you squint, maybe they're white rather than an actual black person, which mm-hmm. I think maybe says quite a lot of, of the sort of center-left uh, view of, of of what America um, w- was looking like back then. Um, although, I say back then, it was only, what, 15 years ago or whenever it was that the, the final season of uh, The West Wing came out. One, one thing I would like to touch on, uh, Dave, you're, you know, maybe slightly left of Reagan. I think that's probably fair to say. <laughs> I've just got this image now of you running on Reagan's 84 policies and stuff. Um, <laughs> um, how, how are you able to sort of separate the, the politics of the show from this sort of pure entertainment value of it? Because it is great entertainment, at least, you know, some of the, maybe the first four seasons or whatever the case is, you know, Sorkin dialogue and these characters interacting with each other. And, you know, you get interested in this sort of the personal things and some of the larger stories and, is it difficult for you to watch the show and being able to divorce yourself from the actual politics going on or, or, or are you able to kind of put that to one side? Uh, no, I can't, I can't divorce myself. I, I think I would be able to divorce myself from it if I didn't think it had had such a large effect mm. on the governance, particularly mm. of the Obama administration. Um, as far as entertaining goes, uh, because I'm a TV writer, I, I, I view it a little differently because I, I know all the little bells and whistles and tricks. And when there's something missing, I, I immediately think like, Oh, well, a scene didn't make it in. Like I have a different sort of right view. I, I, I just get an understanding of things. So for me, I've, I've become far more critical as time has gone on because I think the, 
I think there's periods, especially where the show gets incredibly lazy and um, doesn't doesn't delve into things as much as they should. They'll just come up with a topic and then go uh, surface sort of stuff about it and then leave it. It like stuff like they they did an episode where they brought up you know the Palestinian situation and that's that's not something I would go near as a television writer unless I was going to make some points about it as opposed to just you know the simplistic version but then they also they also started just dropping things that were incredibly important they wouldn't they wouldn't finish out a storyline it would just kind of drift away and mm-hmm. and so from an entertainment standpoint I I started noticing that more and more I think if I was watching it at the time and I was watching it week to week, I think I probably never would have noticed, but Mm. because I'm watching it in the way I'm watching it and I'm being more critical and looking at it in a different way, I, I see so much more faults in, Mm. in, in issues with the writing and the way it's done. So I'm less entertained than I thought I would be. But when we started out this show, I was like, yeah, no, he's a, he's a really great writer. And, at least the dialogue will be good and I'll be able to enjoy that while I'm watching the bad politics. But as it's gone on, I'm now at the point where I'm like, I don't like the writing. I don't like, the only thing I like is acting and sometimes the directing, sometimes the directing drives me crazy. So, <laughs> so I, there's so many levels. I don't enjoy the, <laughs> enjoy the show anymore. Um, and then the misogyny is just insane. Uh so I can, I can never divorce myself from the politics. I just, I find it impossible, particularly because of today's environment and because of where we've gone. I, I, I'm incapable of doing it. And, and for me, it's always, you have a television show, a television show, you can do anything you want, anything's possible. And they never attempt to, do anything really good i mean he he doesn't do any there's no policies he doesn't do anything on the show there's nothing he's the worst president ever because he at least obama got obamacare through as much as i don't think it's good at least he did something bartlett never does anything it, it is interesting that that's a point i did wonder is how much were they aiming for like the struggle of being a president like he you know it's always you know we're we're struggling against a, a Republican House, and you know we have the difficulty of of that, and we have the difficulty of even getting liberals on side with our our politics, and there's conversations about what do we actually stand for. You know, we we got into in, into uh, into the White House based on you know we were going to maybe do some things, and we're you know ninety days in or two years in, and you know what we actually achieve. And I, as much as I've enjoyed part of the rewatch I've been doing. Um, it did that that part did strike me as going was that just a, a deliberate a deliberate attempt as like a almost like a a critique of sort of liberalism and liberal presidents this idea of them not getting anything done or was it were they kind of hamstrung by this idea that we're going to have to have 22 episodes a season and we have to have these great struggles and they actually we're not going to pass these great legislative achievements because we want to be quote unquote realistic and we'd rather have someone struggling to, you know, deal with a Republican house and with Democrats who are, you know, struggling to win re-election in their district. So they have to move further right and that, that kind of thing. 
you know, were, were they so concentrated on that that they actually didn't want to pass great legislative achievements? And I think it's interesting that normally when when they get to the end of this a season, what they're not generally dealing with the actual politics of it. It's normally personal stories. It's mm-hmm. it's you know an assassination attempt or it's a kidnapping or it's you know x y or z there's very little like the cliffhanger is are we going to introduce medicaid for all or you know you know it's very much we've spent 20 episodes fighting amongst ourselves and with a republican house and we got a new military budget which would have passed anyway but we've had to get it done and then the final two episodes of the season are you know, Josh has been taken by aliens and we have to go to the moon to get him back. You know, that <laughs> I didn't actually remember the <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, Vaughn, you were saying it is a TV show. Like like yeah. hanging it on like, are we gonna pass Medicare for all? That's not sexy, you know? Like people aren't gonna <laughs> watch a season finale of like, oh, are they gonna pass it? Like you can watch C SPAN. And know that they're not like. (laughs) I don't know. I think I have a different. But there, but there is like a focus. I would say on process. Yes. As opposed to uh, legislative achievements or like policy. Say even in this episode, you know, there's the the nuance of you know like should we have this thing in the speech? Should we not have it in the speech? Um, let's go and talk to some Democrats about that. Um, let's have a rousing sort of uh, speech by um, Toby. See if we can get it in. And so the process becomes part of it, and the process becomes almost ennoble. You know, it's it's, it's the process is noble. The 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 being a political operative is noble. It's all it's all noble. So the the outcomes are less important, and I suppose they were, they're also a little bit cucked as well. I guess you know, even yeah. Aaron Sorkin and the writers don't think that even in their dreams that they could pass any significant pieces of legislation. You know, so it it doesn't matter. And, and you know, I mean, Clinton passed significant pieces of legislation like um, the crime bill and welfare reform. It was significant pieces of legislation, but for the Republicans, and so maybe it was outside the imagination of the TV show at all that they could pass significant pieces of legislation. I, I guess on, on Israel and Palestine, they, you know, he, he does negotiate like a historic agreement um, as a, the Camp David Accords or, or something like that, but or, or actually on domestic policy, which might have been easier to write in that they did. They don't really do much of, of anything. They sort of do the stuff that, Clinton did is sort of hover in the center and then you make the process of getting there um, noble some, some way. Yeah. Yeah. I also think there, you know, with, with Democrat, I'm an old man, uh, I think compared to all of you, certainly Vaughn, now that I've heard when she was watching the show, <laughs> um, uh, what age she was, but you know, Democrats are really, um, they're almost like a, a beaten animal. Reagan broke people's brains. Yeah. Reagan, the Democrats were so destroyed by Reagan that to this day, those, the Pelosi's and the, and the Biden's and all them, mm-hmm. they just start from a, pay, a place of we've lost and <laughs> we can't do that because if we do that, then we'll get wiped out in the next election. And, 
And, and so it's just a fabric of their being. It's embedded in their spines. And I think that's, you know, part of where you get this in the show, because you could easily just come out with an episode and start like we passed Medicare for all. What are the, what's the fallout going to be? You know, you didn't you wouldn't have to go through the whole the whole process of like, how did we do it? You could just have an episode start out like that and say, we hey, we just did this amazing thing. And then and then, you know, write the fallout from it. But they don't they don't even do that. It's just it's always been very odd to me that you the choices that are made, which with a show where you could have a fantasy world and their fantasy is just like uh, we have to trade uh, tax cuts for uh children uh single mothers for um a weapon uh project like it's always very just sort of strange procedural stuff that they go through so to me the show is is infused with that sort of defeatist we're already so far behind the ball and and nobody believes in what we believe in and and i you know i i think at the beginning of this i think vaughn expressed the same feelings I have about what the democratic party has become, but it's through everything. It's through their, it's through their art. It's through how they govern. They're just, there's nothing about them that can achieve or, or do they want to achieve? It's, it's very bizarre to me just watching it. And, and I know, I also know they had a lot of Democrats who had worked for Clinton come in and, and write, they would sit down and, and tell Sorkin how these things would go. And then Sorkin would write them. There's not really much more to the writing staff. The writers aren't really writing episodes. It's, it's more, you know, how D.D. Myers comes in and she sits down and they talk and then he comes up with an episode. That's sort of how it worked. Hmm. I mean, there is something we talked about previously. We did a, a trilogy of shows on, on Reagan one thing we we did talk about and we talked about in other shows as well it's just this idea reagan kind of won i mean reagan basically he decided what america policy was going to be for the next Mm. 40 50 years and Mm. what's kind of followed is what reagan said goes and then we maybe try and indent a little bit from that and that's kind of it and you know the, the default position has basically been reagan's america ever since and what clinton did was basically you know take reaganism and just be ever so slightly different and that 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 was that was basically it but then it all worked out for the best because we've got joe biden so you know can't 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 argue with results can i follow on from that yeah go for it from from both of you actually um to pose a question this this show dave you said is um like it, it could have been a fantasy world and they could have had anything they wanted, but is this show a microcosm for Democrats in the late nineties and early two thousands that their fantasy is a slightly, slightly left liberal <laughs> president because they're making a show that they have to market to the national audience and the national audience elected, well, <laughs> <laughs> elected yeah, Bush, <laughs> but a large maybe a portion of America elected Bush. Florida in... elected Bush. <laughs> Did you know in... there's a theory yeah. that, that that wet dreams are, are hotter if if they're more realistic? So like if, if they're too <laughs> too crazy, then you just uh, you just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a good point. Sorry, sorry, you go there. Yeah, no, it's it's a good point because, um, and yeah, I was actually thinking that earlier. So there's definitely an aspect of of Hollywood that you know mm-hmm. they go, don't go too far, don't mm-hmm. go, and and specifically at um the left, like when, when you're, they don't want you to drive away the audience of right wingers that they that they see out there. So no, I think that's a really good point, Vaughn. They they definitely. There's definitely an aspect of that in here. And I think that also comes back to the, the, the point that we always kind of cry about is that Republicans can talk about what they believe in and that's seen or portrayed as being like the sort of the normal thing to do. And then as soon as liberals talk about what they believe in, they have to sort of apologize for having <laughs> ideas. Yeah. And um, it's something which just makes you want to jump off a bridge or maybe vote for Ross Perot. Um <laughs> Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to fall down the Ross Pro rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> we, we could separately talk about that if you wish. It is funny that they don't really have a, a true third party uh, candidate on the show, but obviously the show is coming straight after the years in which we did actually have a, a genuine third party candidate in the the greatest human being ever to run for president. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so sorry, Fun. Are you wanting to add anything? No, I'm just agreeing. I'm I'm agreeing very hard. Ross Perot, perfect every single way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do wonder if maybe they. I think there's like one or two episodes where they'll be like, "Oh, he's going to threaten to run independent." And he's yeah. like, "Well, he he, he mm-hmm. can't win," but he's like, "Yeah, but I could, you know, fuck shit up for you." And uh, I, I guess they they obviously chose never to, to explore the idea of having a third party candidate and uh, probably because I, I don't know actually maybe they just felt that the the battle was between a left and a, a, a right wing you know that, that's how they wanted to present it maybe they didn't like the idea of having a genuine third party candidate because they thought it was too out there I, i'm not sure um, i think i think third party candidates are really hard to do uh, for something like this because third party candidates really usually have one thing mm that both parties are horribly wrong about (laughs) and it's just sort of common sense that they're like well this guy clearly on this one thing Mm -hmm. is right and that's why they get so much attention um so it would be very hard to do that because you would to do it you would have to point out how wrong the democrats are about something and and i don't think they'd want to do that yeah, but to be fair, Dave, can you find anything wrong with '90s Democrats? Can you find one? <laughs> it's they very do? hard. I mean, it's that's, very hard. That's, that's pretty tricky. <laughs> uh, we, we have passed our hour mark now. There is one subject which I did. I was scared to broach, but since we got into wet dreams, I kind of feel that maybe we're going to now. Uh, <laughs> you dipped uh, your toe in, Simon. <laughs> yes, we, uh, you you dipped our metaphorical something in. Uh, Vaughn, you were—you've messaged me about this. You were surprised by just how horny the show is, and I just want to <laughs> briefly touch on that because you were genuinely out, out, kind of interested. Because like the president or other people, half of the plots of of these things is just people trying to have sex. So mm. I just want to give you a couple minutes to <laughs> to talk about <laughs> sexy presidents. Thank you for outing me on that. Um, <laughs> well, considering. Considering your original background on this show, Vaughn, I think you're probably, uh, probably on safe ground. Uh, you won't be awake, aware, Dave, but when, when we added Vaughn to the show uh, about a year ago now, um, Vaughn's basically kind of final contribution to our first episode was to talk about Mitt Romney in the shower. So <laughs> he wasn't 
I don't think that was the first episode. But... Okay, maybe it was the, the first. It was the first one that I was on and spoke on because uh, yeah. we did an interview. Uh, yes. Okay, no, what what had happened was that I can't control myself because I'm too funny. Okay, and it just came out, and I I think Toby said, um, "Should we do a podcast on Mitt Romney?" And I said, "I host one for myself in the shower every morning." <laughs> Okay. Yeah, the context is much better. Anyway. It's all very it's all very disturbing. That's it all is. I have to say. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, so you don't have your own thoughts about Mitt Romney, Dave? I don't. In the shower or uh, not, otherwise. I'm, <laughs> I am I I was only really aroused by him uh when he would when he would take over companies and fire all the employees and <laughs> all the, <laughs> and all them off. That was my only time i really enjoyed his work yeah vaughn also <laughs> likes it when he goes real capitalist that's one. <laughs> oh yeah hardcore um yes. so Vaughn, yeah how surprised were you that that they decided to be quite as um horny on the show as as they kind of are to be honest at least on certain episodes yeah I, so not I, is it really that do, do you really think it's that horny i guess i don't i guess i'm i'm so from someone who works in television, it's so normal for me. Do you, did it stand out to you as being that that horny one? Um, great question. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't expecting it to be. Yeah. Okay. So horny, because it is Martin Sheen, and I wasn't <laughs> ready to see him that way. Like there were a few episodes where I just. I was like, I want Martin Sheen to be my grandfather, not Bartlett, but like Martin Sheen. And then, and then um, Stockard Channing is introduced in this episode. This is her first episode. And he's like, we got five minutes. Let's go. And I was like, all right, Martin, like <laughs> Mr. President. Um, no, I, I really enjoy it though. I think it's a fantastic kind of subplot side gag that he can't get laid he wants to in the Oval Office and she's like no and he's like well I have five minutes madam like it's fantastic I really enjoy it yeah they they also seem to always introduce this idea of them getting together and then there'll be someone who wants to talk about policy or something will just burst into their bedroom it's yeah that that is quite amusing but how amazing would the show be if every like third episode a sex worker comes through the back door and and (laughs) Had sex with the president in the Oval Office. <laughs> I, mean, that, I mean, that would that would be a mood, wouldn't it? Would mood. <laughs> the didn't, didn't they have like the 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 call go with the heart of gold in in the first season? Was that yes. not the first episode? Oh, the first they, episode. Yeah, they, yeah. They yeah. introduce. Oh yeah. Uh, they introduce um, Rob Lowe's character, and she, he's talking to. A, I haven't seen the episode in, in a couple of years, actually. So Vaughn, you probably remember this better than I do, but I believe that's how they they introduce the Rob Lowe character, right? Yeah, yeah. it's in the first <laughs> couple seconds of the show because I remember as soon as I started it, I tweeted, "Didn't know Rob Lowe was in this." Solid start. <laughs> So yeah, uh, that's how they introduce him. But the trying, the trying to, um, trying to save a sex worker is really just, yes. <laughs> it's just, I it's agree. the mentality of a, of an adolescent. Like, and and I and it that sort of mentality comes up a lot in Sorkin's writing, which you're well, just like, I, oh, you're you're not a fully formed human. <laughs> well, Vaughn, I was gonna say you had some thoughts around the Amy character that I think oh my god turning yeah. quite I, violent. I, 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 on on our message group about this 
I hate that character so much. The the women's leadership conference woman. Who, oh yeah. She's introduced as having a problem with the White House language about forced prostitution. And she uh -huh. says all prostitution is coercion. And that <laughs> yes. is just so fucked up on so many levels. And I hate her character so much. She <laughs> claims to be a feminist and then she's like making fun of a cocktail waitress and saying that she's not smart enough to get an order right or something. And it's like, what's your actual beef here, woman? Like, oh God, I really don't like her. And I agree with you, Dave, that a lot of the, the talk around prostitution in this show and sex workers, if we want to be correct about it, are, it's just, it's, it's awful. It's horribly done and it does not stand up for today. I can't speak to the late nineties, but I disagree with it fundamentally. <laughs> well, Pretty Woman came out in 90, so I there's know. a standard there that West Wing is not even meeting fucking. Uh, yeah, Marshall. I, I uh, you know, that's one of the few things that I'm like, OK, that's a time thing. I don't think anybody, you know, we're already so not much progress has been made in America yeah. on how we think about sex workers. Um, but he we, we also know that he uh, Sorkin. Um, dabble has dabbled in that in the past in his real life and um at one point a uh an escort came out and said that 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 storyline was her idea and he installed it from her <laughs> so wow. yeah interesting Wait, there you go sounds about the liberal way to sex workers <laughs> doesn't it <laughs> Is there anything else we want to discuss other than giving Vaughn the floor to talk about Ross Perot again? Um, oh, yeah, and just on um, the I mean, the issue of sex, I guess Bill Clinton, as we just touched on our last episode, you know, had a rapacious sexual appetite. He was still having sex with um, members of the <laughs> of his uh, White House staff and interns and, you know, people in the governor's mansion in Arkansas. And that was his big scandal. And just to go back to the the connection with, with Clinton, though, like Bartlett doesn't really have that those kinds of scandals. He he loves his wife. He's you know sexually attracted to his wife. Again, Bartlett's big scandal, and in this episode was that he was hiding his yeah, multiple sclerosis, right? So he's mm -hmm, hiding yeah. the fact that he's sick and he's confronted about this by by leo and you know leo has good faith reasons for asking about this and said you know i would have backed you anyway if i if i had, had known mm -hmm. and and both of them seem like noble men there's there's certainly hiding something from the american people but they they come off as noble people they have they have no real you know sort of dark skeletons that would make you hate them in in any way what even when they fail they are, you know, sort of good. Even Leo himself, when he talks about um, his uh, Valium and um, alcoholism, yeah. you know, you kind of feel, you, you know, not only feel bad for him, you, you also kind of feel like he shouldn't really have to tell the, the press about you know, his private life. So, yeah, again, this, this, the, the president remains a sort of elegiac in character who's above the sort of normal human failings that we have, even though he's not really doing much. Well, I, I think a president being above human failings, Dave, that's pretty much how you feel about all presidents, isn't it? 
Uh, feel about what is that not how you feel about all presidents that they're above human feelings is that yes that's that's the thing about our <laughs> we've had so many and i have yet to see see any great failings in any of them they are amazing <laughs> human beings yeah my it's answer to your question yes <laughs> they're all great people and they're all they, great people and they voted all the ones that got into office they voted for so I have I have only voted for winners. That's all I vote for. <laughs> that's, all. <laughs> that's 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 why everyone courts your vote, Dave. Um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> cool. Is there anything else we want to um, touch upon on either specifics of of the episode or on West Wing that we've not already covered? They put American flags in the fishbowl. <laughs> Is that, I just is that I can't get over it. Is that treasonous? Do they really? They, there are two American flags in the fishbowl on CJ's desk in this episode, and the rocks in the bottom of it are red, white, and blue. <laughs> it, oh I, my god! Hand to God, they did that because I wrote it down as soon as I saw it. I think I also messaged you, Simon, and I was like, "The fucking flags in the fishbowl." <laughs> what a what a democratic thing, you know well so there's there's i think it's in the first um few episodes i want to say in the first five or ten but there's a a point where bartlett is giving a speech and i don't know who it's to but he's in some sort of conference area and behind him is a banner and the banner says practical idealism practical (laughs) idealism okay yeah, I and can... that that just sums up the show. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. I think uh, Von, you're you, you. That pretty much sums up your politics, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Toby. Any, anything final to, to add on on the West Wing or on practical idealism? No, not really. Um, practical idealism. <laughs> Nothing more to add. Okay. Well, um, Vaughn, anything? I, I dread to think what else you might add to the show. Anything else you want to... to, to anything else you noticed? Um, I very much dislike that the show is so horny and Romney's not in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we all feel that. Way. Yes, <laughs> that's definitely the thing that's aged the worst. Yeah, <laughs> the lack yeah. of a, a horny Romney. <laughs> more, more sexy Romney in there. More sexy Romney. Well, I don't think I don't think we could have come up with a better final line for the. Episode. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we should we should probably leave it there. Um, Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure talking this thank nonsense you. through with you. So of thank course. you. Thanks, thanks for, for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, Toby, Vaughn, uh, thanks as always. Um, yep. Um, we will have a, another episode for you guys in the near future. And until then, take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>